93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. This city is my city, and I love it, yeah, I love it. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. Glad that you have tuned in. Got my favorite guest in the studio with me, uh, Mike Murphy, the publisher of Como Buzz. That's C-O-M-O dot B-U-Z, one Z. And uh, the best... Uh, uh, really coverage of local news in, in our community doing a great job uh, with uh, everything you're covering mike and it's always fun to have you in the studio uh thank you for coming in thank you fred glad <clears throat> to be here the um i thought we'd just start as customary and, and maybe just for the folks who are maybe listening for the first time that have not uh had the chance to to check out coma bus uh tell folks a little about your background where you where you uh, came from and how you ended up uh publishing como buzz so i'm 40 years in the newspaper business i was started out as a reporter and editor like most moved over to the business side early on like most yeah I like the dark side the, well you need i had a family to feed yeah that matters <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh became a, a sales manager and then a marketing director then ultimately got to run a newspaper then got to run a few newspapers then a division of newspapers and mm-hmm. ultimately i became an executive with gannett mm-hmm. uh landed in columbia in 2016 when they bought the tribune mm-hmm. i i was brought in to run the uh, printing facility and to uh combine consolidate all of Gannett's papers in Missouri and the surrounding five states into Columbia. Of course, that was a uh, a miserable job and also a one with a limited time span as as the industry uh, uh, works its way to the end. I took a voluntary severance two years ago, uh, set out a year of non-compete, uh, put together Como Buzz in my head. I've been thinking about it for a long time. It's one of the reasons I got out of there while I had some runway left Yeah, and uh, got that off the ground one year ago. It's a... Uh, subscription-based website that I like to say uh, we work at the intersection of culture and politics in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, I'm still building it out. Uh, right now, we're very heavy on government and politics because that's where what my hands are on. Yeah, and uh, it's important. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. Well, it's you know it's it's interesting because um, anybody that really I think cares about this community. Uh, is not going to get that kind of information anywhere else. And so they ought to be checking out a couple times a week to sort of see. Uh, it's my first thing I do on Saturday mornings. I, I uh, open up my um, cell phone and take a look at what uh, you have. You've taken kind of a, a weekly wrap-up approach now, which makes it just a little bit easier to read, a little easier to digest, a little more uh, compact and, and interesting. Makes it harder to share. There's a lot of stories. I, I'd like to share at least three or five of your stu- uh, stories. And uh, but you know, it's really it's a good read. Uh, you know what's happening behind the scenes. You you know uh, what's uh, uh, well. At least you thought you knew what was happening behind the scenes, but you're finding out uh, these days that maybe you don't know everything that's happening well, behind the scenes. I, I remember telling people early on. So if you start out. From scratch as a reporter, you, you got a big hill to climb. You have yep. no sources. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody yep. trusts you. Yep. Uh, the, the, uh, it's a, a difficult. So I told like my wife and people, give me a year. And I'm in it a year now. And now I say, give me another year because I am 
learning and cultivating mm-hmm. and getting to know and being able to bring uh, quite a bit of it to light. Yeah. And I'm pretty proud of the, uh, if you go look at Como Buzz right now, the content that's piled up there that mm-hmm. I've generated in the last year, I, I'm, uh, I would say that I've done better than I thought I would. So. Oh, you've done better than everybody else in town. Yeah. I mean, you're, I'm, you're I'm pretty you've, happy. You've done a great job with it. And, and, uh, and this is really our first show since uh, marijuana became legal in Columbia, Missouri. So uh, we should not be confused by the name of your publication and everything else that's going on in town, right? Como no, Buzz. that's funny. Yeah. So I never was, I never loved uh, Como Buzz or Buzz, but here's your challenge. Number one, I didn't want to take a newspaper name because I think of myself as part of the world that's post-daily newspapers, yeah. which yeah. we're in. So I didn't take a traditional newspaper name. So you have to come up with a name that's going to resonate, uh, that doesn't sound like a newspaper, and that you can get the URL. Yeah. Yeah. So I landed on uh, Como Buzz, and I'm just kind of living with it. And if somebody yeah. thinks it has a little something to do with, with uh, marijuana, I, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> there are some good names for newspapers that are probably not being used anymore. There was a, I can't remember what, what town in Missouri, maybe you'll remember, the Terrified Democrat. Do you remember what? Yeah, uh, I sure did. I printed it for a while. Oh, at the, at what the city was that from? Do you remember? I'm going to say Lynn or down, okay. down in there. Yeah. yeah, Terrified Democrat. And that was a real name. It was a legitimate newspaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a good weekly newspaper. Yeah, yeah. so anyway. Um, okay, well. Um, we have a lot of things to talk about, and uh, I, I appreciate the, the the work that you're doing. It it makes um, uh, it gives me plenty of things to talk about uh, around the water cooler and at the coffee shop. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the school district first. I think the school district, I think, has. I don't think the news cycle is going to uh, forget or forgive the school district anytime soon, I would guess. A uh, lot of shenanigans, uh, but, um, you know, we're, we're now three weeks after the diversity breakfast uh, where um, drag queens performed uh, in front of uh, some 30 middle schoolers. Um, and, you know, I think that for most people, in Columbia, this is a pretty liberal, progressive town, and I don't think most people in Columbia, Missouri, are all that shocked about a drag queen performance, even at a in a public school setting? I think a lot of us are shocked about the way the school district responded to the crisis and the way that the school district sort of dismissed the parents who were concerned, and the fact that the the superintendent was really sort of almost defensive about uh, having school children at uh, this, this event. Uh, Kind of give me your perspective, and, and, and as you have followed Dr. Yearwood and as you have followed the school board the last couple of years, what's your read on that, that story? Well, I'm cutting him a little more slack than, than most people for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, we need to pause and think what the administration apparatus of a 19,000 student school district looks like. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of people who he has to trust to make good decisions, and sometimes it doesn't happen. Then he's the one who's got to stand up and take responsibility for it. So there's that. Then number two, he got really roasted for the first letter that he sent to uh, the governor yep. and, and, and copied to the AG and went out to all the parents. And I think there's, I had two thoughts on that when it happened. Number one, I didn't believe he even wrote it. It sounded to me like it was written by the legal team. <laughs> and he was under threat at the moment of being uh, actually arrested for perhaps transporting students, right? Mm. So if you think of the threat of the AG in those early days, and that was a response, I think, that was written purely to uh, diffuse the AG and to some extent the governor, and parents took it as a letter to them, which it also was, but you couldn't serve those two 
masters effectively and the one that he didn't serve effectively was his parents and it sort of like well, caused uh, even more uproar if i were the governor or the attorney general of missouri uh, it would not have served that per- i mean that i the tone of that letter was so far off of what it should have been you know and i think that you learn uh, as you age that uh, i think people would give you a pass uh, that you you can't know every single thing that's happening in your school district. I, I think what's shocking about this story is that his spokesperson, Michelle Baumstark, and one of his school board members, Jeannie Snodgrass, were both on the planning committee for this breakfast. And you think that one of them would have had the courtesy to say to their boss, or to, to well, Michelle Baumstark at least, to say to her boss, yeah, boss, uh, just so you know, there's going to be some drag queens uh, performing, and maybe we might want to reconsider the field trip. Or, you know, even the school board member, who I think would have enough, would be savvy enough to say, yeah, you know, uh, I I don't really have a problem with drag shows, but but there might be some parents in our school district that does. Are, are they really that tone deaf? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So wow. two, two things to keep in mind there. Number one, you got to be careful what you're apologizing for when you're being accused of something, right? And could yep. perhaps be violating the law. So I think that was in the air. It's like saying, I'm sorry that I made you feel bad about yourself. Yeah. yeah you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Well, that's how it came off. Yeah. yeah. But then um, number two, there are a great amount of people. Now, we're not hearing from them really, or maybe a little, but there are a great amount of people that think he had nothing to apologize for. Mm-hmm. So he's between this rock and hard place with the AG all over him and uh, uh, parents in an uproar. And I think he got let down by his admin team and he's uh, fighting his way out of it. So, well, I didn't think there was anything good about any of it. I don't. And he, the, the buck definitely stops there. I just stopped short of thinking he needs to be fired or run off his job until he gets a little more of a chance to try to work his way through what looks like a bit of a mess inside, uh, uh, you know, his, his administration. I've heard numerous reports, firsthand accounts of some of the meetings that community leaders and politicians have had with, uh, Dr. Yearwood. Uh, and it kind of depends on who else is in the room with Dr. Yearwood, depending on how he responds. And, and, uh, I, w- I heard about a meeting with some community leaders where he had Catherine Sasser, uh, in, a school board member in the room with him. And the tone of that meeting was disrespectful. Uh, his guests were called segregationists. They were called homophobic. They were called liars. And, you know, it's just like, but then when you meet with Senator Rowden and, and uh, a couple other folks, you know, it's a totally different tone. So, you know, I, Dr. Yearwood probably needs to decide who he's going to be. Uh, is he going to be uh, the can he walk a fine line behind be between a conservative legislature that is watching the Columbia Public Schools because of some missteps he's made in the past and or this wacky liberal screwed up school board that we currently have that dominates his uh, admin team well, for sure his school board yeah. his admin team and also the NEA with things other than really what parents care about in their schools yeah you know well so. even even so I've done the first two forums and what uh, the conversation I've been having this week is I've been through two forums now and everybody's talking about all this stuff I don't think I'm pretty sure that student performance hasn't even come up yet yeah I, I don't know if you're ready to talk about this now, but I, I heard through the grapevine that you're actually hosting your own forum for school board candidates uh, I'm teaming up with a group 
of uh, I'm trying to put together. So our forums are terrible. I don't. I think everybody will agree to that. The they're, forums that we they, have here in Columbia, yeah. they're, they're really not forums. No, they've gone away. Yeah, they're, they've fallen apart. Candidates aren't even showing up. There's yeah. no debates. They're stupid questions. Nobody's just really pulling one off anymore. Yeah. So I am. Uh, they're all agenda driven, to be honest. And, and then there's yeah. that. You're showing up to get a uh, an endorsement or something. Yeah. So. Uh, I have been working with a group trying to put together a nonpartisan coalition that would work uh, not immediately and into the future on hosting a really authentic uh, forum slash debate. We're branding it as Debate Night. It's going to be de- uh, branded with Como Buzz. I'm going to be the moderator. We're going to work with the candidates, pick topics, uh, make sure they're informed or ready to be, you know, make sure they know what's coming at them, uh, uh, set it up so that we can engage them in debate, uh, have uh, enough time. We're going to do uh, school board candidates on one night. Actually, it's going to be the 20th of March, and we're going to do city council candidates on the 13th of March. That's a Monday night. We're doing it in the uh, Bush Auditorium uh, on the MU uh, campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's parking right there. We're going to uh, hire some audio-visual equipment because we know people won't come. We want them to come, and we're going to have room for them, yeah. but they largely won't. So we're going to do a really good audio-visual job so we can get it out on a lot of platforms we're going to make sure we get all the media there and we're trying to make it into something so you're going to ask real questions i mean here's the deal you go to the league of women voters uh forums and it's you know it's it's a bunch of little old ladies who put together uh index cards of questions that uh, sort of suit their agenda at the moment yeah yeah, you can and and what you really but to have a uh, a candidate ask another candidate a question or you know to really hear both sides of an issue i mean that's going to be valid, and I, I would bet you that some of your candidates are not going to show up for that. I, th- I think they are. Now, I hope I, they do. I, but, I, I hope so, know. too. I've been trying to get commitments. I think it's going to be a hard thing to skip. Uh, I'm pretty sure the city council candidates will all be there. Um, the school board will be interesting. Very shortly here, we'll have the, uh, the NEA recommended three candidates come down, and some school board member might make a choice to say, you know, uh, I don't have to go, uh, you know, if I got that any endorsement, I mean, the last 10 elected people have had that. I'm pretty safe. But this year we got seven candidates. Now, we haven't had that many candidates since like 2008 or nine. Uh, we got Chuck Basie in the race. Yeah. Somebody's going to go in with 25% or less of the votes, probably. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure that somebody's going to be able to blow us off. Plus, I think when they hear us out and how we're going to, uh, I don't know why they would. You know, I don't know yeah. what they'd have to be afraid of. Well, you know? I, I know what they're afraid of. I mean, they they are promoting a, an agenda that is not copacetic with the mainstream of our community. Yeah, that's that. Well, that's will be fun to see if we can extract that. Uh, I don't think most of them who are doing that really think that. Okay. <laughs> Yo, you're right. Silly me. Yeah, you're so right. Um, well, so you are inviting Chuck Basie, which I think oh, yeah. is a pop up, a, a nice thing. Chuck's committed to come. Yeah. Um, we're running out of time here in our first segment, but I, I, I want to talk about Chuck Basie on the, um, on the ballot. When we come back, I want to talk about this weird thing that took place earlier this, this year that got very little news coverage, but, uh, it was the renewal of school superintendent Brian Yearwood's, uh, contract. And, uh, three of the board members, instead of voting no, voted to abstain in the vote. So you have an eight member school board and three of them are voting to abstain. Uh, and I think one person voted no. I, I need to go double check, but you know, by the slimmest of majorities, um, uh, this yeah. school board superintendent's contract was extended. That leaves him really 
in a very delicate position and probably held hostage by sort of some rogue members of the school board. So we can talk about that when we come back to Lots of things to get to. We're going to talk about the city council. Uh, we'll talk about the city council races. We'll give you an update on the road cards, an update on the mental health. Uh, I'm sorry, the uh, homeless shelter that's being built on uh, Business Loop. All of that and more coming up on the CEO Roundtable. We're visiting with Mike Murphy from Como Buzz. This is Fred Perry. You're listening to 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, thank you for tuning in this weekend. We are visiting, as I said, with Mike Murphy, who is the publisher of ComoBuzz.com, C-O-M-O-B-U-Z. Dot com. And I would encourage you, if you uh, care about your community, to be reading uh, uh, Mike's uh, uh, online magazine at least uh, twice a week. Um, this whole thing with three board members abstaining, and, and I don't know, I can't remember, Mike, if that showed up uh, in Como Buzz or not, but w- what do you know about the dynamics of that? Why did three board members abstain? I don't know much about okay. it. I uh, asked, I, I followed it like everybody else. Um, you know, if you were on the city council, you can't abstain. You know, you can't, you have to abstain. You have to declare a reason why a conflict of interest of some sort. Correct. Just because you don't have the courage to cast a vote, a no vote. Yeah. Yeah. Or depending on how wacky liberal you are, maybe you're afraid to cast a yes vote. Yeah. I don't know. I think it was just, it was obviously a very poor reflection on them. And I just think it's kind of sort of like indicative of the type of difficulties that are that are, that are going on yeah we had a revelation earlier this week and, and it's it's interesting to me you sort of almost by accident discovered that the city manager of columbia had not received a performance review in several years yeah i didn't know it and so we find out well this is the exact same thing this is the reason some of these members voted to abstain is because the school superintendent had not had a performance review yeah and you look at these two very <clears throat> valuable important integral uh positions in our community to our community fiber and they're not getting performance reviews and they're public officials you know so it's like are we so busy worrying about um you know, gender issues and, and uh, uh, you know, things that really don't matter to the success or the vitality of our community that we f- forget to do our basic responsibility of giving our directors uh, a performance review? I think in the school district, it's just late. I think they actually do do it uh, and they haven't gotten it done. At the city, it's way more egregious. I think the city, it's been seven or eight years since they've done one, 2014, I think. Um I think it's, uh, I don't think there's any way you could overstate how just ridiculous that is. Mm-hmm. When you think of it, our city government is so misunderstood by citizens and by council people. We have a strong city manager form of government. The city manager is a CEO, a, a, a strong CEO who really is responsible for every decision that gets made in terms of operating the city. Uh, the city council really is only primary job. It's first and foremost primary job is to manage the chief executive, the city manager, and that they're not using any type of uh, operational management tool to do that is 
I think, beyond staggering, and it tells you just how unfocused or unknowledgeable about what their job is, that they're off doing all this other stuff, having five-hour meetings every other week, (laughs) accomplishing absolutely nothing, and then you find out that they don't even have a mechanism in place for managing the city manager. You know, I, I don't know. I don't think anybody would even really believe that. Yeah. Yeah, it is hard to believe. I um, uh, I guess nobody's paying attention. I think that's probably one of the things. I mean, you and I have talked many times that really uh, print journalism, for the most part, has has um, left the building. Um, you know, and I, and it just seems like there's less of a desire. It used to be when I w- would talk with people in the business community, um, and I would mention a current event, and they would very sheepishly apologize and say, "Oh, I'm sorry, I haven't read the paper this week." Mm-hmm. Um, now it's almost with a sense of pride that they say, "Oh, yeah, I, I don't read the papers and I don't watch the news." You know, it's like people have purposely disengaged yeah. from what's happening no in their community, and you know, people like to gripe about it. You know what I mean? But they uh, don't do the very basic requirement of, of sort of just paying attention. And so uh, it's it's a real problem, and I think it has changed our community for the worse. Yeah, I think that, so we are, if you take city government, for example, we are very wealthy. They have a steady stream of income that just keeps growing and growing and growing, okay? Mm-hmm. They manage money, that, so they have no financial issues. So they, they claim them and they pop up and they use them as excuses not to do anything, but there's nothing really that damages people's quality of life that's coming out of city council. Mm-hmm. So they manage, they get by. And until people get really angry about something, there's some things going on that people really, if they really knew, they would be really, really angry. Yeah. But they're not paying attention. It's not hitting home yet. If we get rolling blackouts, they're going to get angry. Yeah. If, if they can't water their lawns, they're going to get really angry. Uh, but barring any of that kind of thing happening, they're just, you know, they, they, there's no good reason for them to care, I guess, so they don't. Yeah. Well, that's a shame. Um, I want to talk about the upcoming school board and, and city council races uh, coming up on April 4th. Uh, you are going to have a debate, which uh, the dates for that are March 13th for city council and March 20th for school board. Is correct. that correct? Okay. So uh, more details to come on that. Yeah. Uh, check out Como Buzz for more informa- uh, more information about those two debates. And those are debates, not forums. And so that's uh, that'll scare some people away, I think. Uh, but I think it's going to be really insightful. And so hope people pay attention. Uh, First Ward City Council. Council, we uh, have uh, Nick Knopf, I'm probably not pronouncing that right, uh, running against Pat Fowler, who's the incumbent. Correct. Um, I think that um, there are a lot of people in city government uh, that really want to see a change in the first ward because uh, uh, Pat Fowler has become a very major irritant to them. And I'm not sure that she's an irritant. It used to I used to think that if you were an irritant on the city council, that was a good thing. Uh, I'm not sure it is anymore, but uh, what do you know about that race? Well, I think Pat advocates very, very hard for um, some of the disenfranchised citizens of the first ward, and she does that honorably. And I think that, uh, I think what she would say is that goes up against the, the establishment, the status quo in Columbia, and that's a difficult thing, and it's causing her some problems. It could even cause her to get unelected, mm-hmm. uh, especially because she does have a pretty credible challenger, Nick Knoth. He's a former uh, community affairs staffer with the Chamber of Commerce. He left that to run for office, run for county office, of which he lost. He's 28 years old, but he's very, very well versed in city issues, city politics. Uh, I think He says he's going to go do the work, uh, knocking on doors in the first ward. And then let's keep in mind... Um, 
Pat won with 657 votes in 2000. And if you go back the three elections in the decade prior, and nobody came to office in the first ward with more than 600 votes. So 600 votes total. She didn't win by 600 votes. No, no. She, she got. got. And then what yeah. was the closest challenger? I'm going to say 350 maybe. So she basically won by 300 votes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and so which is nothing. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And that's why I think anything could go there, anything could happen. Uh uh if somebody really if a credible challenger wants to work, he's got a good chance to win. And so I think Pat Scott, I think that's going to be a legitimate you know, probably a close election, and I think they're both going to work pretty hard. I think she really wants to keep her seat. I know she has plenty of supporters who want to see her keep her seat, and then there's plenty of supporters. Canos going to have some supporters who want to see her gone, and he will readily admit that he's going to go to office if he gets in more so on anti-Pat sentiment than on his own of his own devices. Because actually, they're both pretty progressive in their thinking. Uh, they're like-minded in in many respects. There, there's there would be no real difference. On many issues, it's just that uh, Kano's going to say, you know, he's there to get things done, and Pat's there to hold things up. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and and I know that one of the issues that's sort of percolating around is that, you know, Pat is kind of a part time citizen of Columbia. She spends most of her week in in Kansas City uh, working for a construction company up there, and I guess the one thing that's a little bit redeeming for me for Nick Kanoth, uh, I'm sorry, I've been pronouncing his name wrong, is that, you know. He did advocate, he, he advocated for several years on behalf of the business community, the Chamber mm-hmm. of Commerce. He played a pretty key role in getting the county and the city and, and surrounding governments to support this uh, bridge, the, the construction of a new bridge over the Missouri River on I-70. So I sort of feel like he at least understands the important business issues that are affecting our local business owners. I think he does too. I think that I will say, cause, uh, this, I, I kind of, this narrative, I mentioned in his story, I'm writing a story on that race, uh, uh, right now, as we speak, actually, uh, I think that's a bit of a, a narrative that her opponents use against her. My observation uh, with Pat is there's no, yes, she has to drive. She works in Kansas City. She can't find the kind of job she wants here in Columbia. She has a house over on 6th Street. She spends some nights during the week uh, over in Kansas City, which she'll readily admit. There's no... Uh, I follow all of these candidates really closely, and I don't think there's any candidate that works harder, is more prepared for council meetings, or who has the type of office hours and connection with her and availability to her constituents largely on the weekends. Mm. So... Uh, it's a non-issue in I, your for mind. Me, for me, it yeah. is. Yeah, okay. Very interesting. Good. I, like, I appreciate your perspective. Um, the... Uh, I want to just sort of shift gears now to the the school board race, which is, I think, interesting. Seven candidates, um, and uh, I could not name probably four out of the seven, uh, but I know that uh, there are three openings because David Seaman uh, and Helen Wade have decided not to run for re-election. Uh, Chris Horn is running for re-election, and uh, he... Um, he used to work for Shelter Insurance. I, I can't remember the name of the company he's work, working yeah. for now, but uh, it's, yeah. uh, he works from home for a, a national insurance company. Yeah. Um, Chuck Basie is on the ballot. Um, there's a, a lady, April Farrell, for how you pronounce her yeah, last Farrell. name? Farrell. Yeah. Uh, who's uh, been very active as a parent in the school district over the years. Um, what, do you, what do you see there in that lineup? Uh, what, what are people going to be choosing between? Well, so how I look at it is I start out with who's going to get the endorsement of the C-M-N-E-A, the Columbia, Missouri National Education Association. Mm -hmm. I believe that the last 10 candidates who were elected all were elected with that 
That's uh, true. And none, nobody who did not have that has been elected. Mm-hmm. And then some really, I think, high-quality board members who lost the NEA endorsement into their second term were unelected. Mm-hmm. Teresa Malady is my favorite example of that. Who mm-hmm. I, I picture her as a prototype of the exact type of person we need on our school board. She did one term, lost the NEA, NEA endorsement, and out the door she went. Mm-hmm. I actually think... Uh, the sort of, and then I watched their forum the other night. I think Chris Horn is in that boat right now. I think his one his one term on the board it's got him crosshaired with the NEA enough not to get their endorsement, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him lose his spot. Is there one issue that separates Chris Horn from the NEA? I mean, I would say that out of everybody, he might be the voice of reason. Uh, Suzette Waters, I think, is also. Turned out pleasantly surprised that that she's been a very strong board member that that doesn't seem to be as progressive as as a and lot of people thought she was going to be. And I suspect she'll be in trouble at her next election. Okay, also. and what is it? I mean, what, how did Chris Horn uh, lose the favor so of the NEA? Here would be an example. They asked a question at their forum the other night. You know, they just added like four administrators. You know, in kind of a big controversial deal there, as a uh, 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 doctor Yearwood tries to. Uh, uh, alter his staff, add staff to get things done. The NEA was very much opposed to him spending that money on more administrators and would have preferred they spend it in other direction, in another, in other ways. Mm-hmm. They asked the candidates during the forum if they had to take that vote today, how would you vote? Well, all of them answered that they would vote no, mm. except Chris Horn had to vote that he had to admit that he would vote yes because he just finished voting yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's that. Now I shouldn't say all of them. I actually, so when I ana- analyze it, I think there's four. So we know Chuck Basie and John Potter are not going to get the endorsement of the NEA. Right. Okay. Assume Chris Horn isn't either. That leaves four. I think candidates that look like they would, but there's only three. NEA endorsements coming. Uh, the other night, uh, I think uh, April Ferrero sounded and looked really good, not only to the NEA, but I think probably to most parents. She's been a longtime volunteer, and she uh, knows a lot of what's going on and sounds really smart. She sounds like a very good candidate. Uh, uh, James Gordon, he's the uh, he's a uh, master's degree in journalism from MU, works in data analysis. He's very uh, progressive in his thinking. He would look to me like to be an NEA uh, darling, I think. His well, wife is the pastor at the, uni- at the uh, Unity yeah. Universalist. Yes, um, yes. Yeah. Very, very that progressive. That prescribes to a certain type of progressive yes. politic- politics. Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, Paul Harper, is a, uh, uh, he's been uh, uh, an attorney. He worked for uh, Nicole Galloway. Uh, he's a, a progressive also, and, and he looks like he would get... That he would be a very good candidate. And then John Lyman, he's a husband of a teacher, a, a, a mortgage broker at uh, VU. Um, one of those are going to uh, miss out. I thought Lyman's answer to some of the questions the other night kind of put him in that spot. So that's the kind of the intrigue left to see on the school board. Yeah. That's Mike Murphy. I'm Fred Perry. You're listening to the CEO Roundtable back after this on 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the final segment of the CEO Roundtable this weekend. Fred Perry, your host, Mike Murphy, publisher of Como Buzz. 
como.buz, a local online magazine that really covers local government better than anybody else in town and uh, something you should pay attention to. Uh, You can subscribe for a low monthly fee or even lower annual fee. Um, So there's a great discount, but uh, we need to support local journalism and this is one way to do it. So I would encourage all of you to subscribe uh, when uh, given the opportunity. Um, You can go in there and look around a little bit, but sooner or later, paywall is going to pop up. You get a good look around. You can see what's there. You can see the quality of the work. And so uh, I have a million things I want to cover uh, in this last segment, and we we never have time. But probably um, the the secrets uh, that uh, the city is keeping uh, from the citizens of Columbia about how they're going to spend the American Rescue Plan money. Uh, I want to talk about this crazy idea of building a roller derby uh, rink uh, for the roller derby girls uh, and um, give a quick update on the uh, homeless shelter as well. But let's talk about the ARPA secrets, the American Rescue Plan money, $25 million to the city, $35 million to the county, and not too much conversation about how that money is going to be spent. Well, I'll go quickly. Uh, the city has taken requests for proposals. They've collected at least 30 in this certain portion that they're doing, they have a, I think, a complicated process, but because I can't explain to you, even though I've studied it. Uh, but they've got 30 proposals that they're evaluating, and I made a, a request. For example, the Chamber of Commerce has a request in for $1.6 million. So I said, well, what would the Chamber be wanting $1.6 million in ARPA money for? So I asked if I could see the report, or their proposal. I sent in a, a request and was denied. So all of those requests are being considered closed records. The city attorney, Nancy Thompson, is deemed she can do that. I think it's totally and absolutely ridiculous, but nobody, you'd have to take her into circuit court to, to challenge it. And What are we hiding? Well, I think that the mayor has put together a committee, so some citizens get to see these. Then, of course, the committee is formed by the mayor, so I assume she gets to see these, but other council people don't get to see them. I think it's just a matter of people trying to control who's going to get what, and then when we're going to get to see them, it's all when it shows up at city council already, all negotiated, and then it's going to be a quick and, you know, vote type thing. And uh, I, I think it'll be an uproar at the time. I can't believe that they don't understand the impact this has on people's confidence in, in their decision-making mm-hmm. process and how they how this city is sitting by while they close the doors on this amazes me, but it's kind of the state of where we're at. Uh, this with, is the most shameful aspect of this to me is that, you know, the county has 35 million, the city has 25 million, 60 million dollars of, of mana from heaven, from the taxpayers. Uh, we will never, ever get that infusion of cash again, uh, with no restrictions, basically. Basically. Um, and we could take this money and all the lip service that we give to homelessness, all the lip service that we give to poverty, all the lip service that we give to everything that's wrong with our community. We could take that money and fix some things. We could create home ownership opportunities, which would go a long ways towards fighting poverty in our community. We could create economic opportunity in, in the central part of our city. Uh, we could fix public transportation forever. You could have real impact, no doubt. But. We're just, we're going to divvy it up and we're going to give it to our buddies in the local not-for-profits who, you know, never have any requirement to sort of, uh, prove their performance, no return on investment of metrics at all. And, uh, that is a real shame for our community. It is. I agree. Okay. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the homeless shelter. Um, that it sounds like that is just moving, uh, like a bullet train right through our community. It's- they're they're going to build a, a $18 million up to a hundred bed 
uh, homeless shelter on the business loop next to the power plant in front of the historic bowling mansion. Um, what's what's going on? It's with been that? a done deal for a while. The the hoop they had that this week. They had to get a conditional use permit for the temporary shelter from the city to operate it on that property. Uh, and, of course, they got it unanimously. Uh, interestingly, uh, as you watch these, uh, you see them get turned down when neighbors complain. We saw the Dollar General out on St. Charles Road get turned down just a month or so ago. But uh, one of the six conditions of a conditional use permit is the neighbors have have no impact uh, on the surrounding neighbors. Mm-hmm. And uh, they uh, passed this uh, making a rationale that this homeless center would not have uh, any impact on the surrounding neighbors. So, wow. How did the Napiers feel about that or Jimmy well, Rogers across the street? Um, there's a lot of people opposed. They came to some agreement, which I don't fully understand. I just kind of heard about it. I don't know what it would be, but the the Napiers backed off their legal threat and uh, t- worked with the uh, Voluntary Action Center and kind of backed off their uh, opposition you had reported at one time that if the Napier uh, did not have offspring, uh, I'm, I'm going to mess this up, but nope. that county, that, that that land would revert to the Boone County Commission. That's it, correct. Uh, That's what correct. happened to that argument? It's still out there. Uh, it's being ignored. I mean, there's a whole report written from by Brian Treese when he was chairman of the uh, Historic Histor- Preservation. Yeah, yeah, about how that would be a that land right there. It would be a beautiful entrance from uh, I exit and entrance into Columbia from I seventy, and we should preserve it in its historical value. Those houses that the the, the land hasn't been disturbed in 180 years. Mm. The power plant could be uh, uh, re-engineered into something, and all that is just gone by the wayside as. We need to find a place to put this homeless center. Yeah, I guess my I, I look. I'm I'm not anti-homeless people. I I understand, you know, when people get down on their luck, and and I understand how these things happen. But I guess that what I see happening here is that uh, we're going to provide a very expensive service that is not sustainable, uh, that cannot support itself past year one. Uh, and it's going to continually go to our local governments and compete for the dollars that we would be putting into streets and fire protection and police protection. Uh, and we're going to become a magnet for homeless people across the Midwest. We're going to say, you know what? We already hear the stories about the, the mayor of Joplin taking their homeless people and putting them on buses and sending them to Columbia. You know what I mean? It's, it's, they're doing the same thing the governor of Florida did to New York City. They're doing that to Columbia. They're dumping homeless people in Columbia. And so we're just going to become a magnet for homeless people. And, and even though we have resources, I think we all know that the average homeless person does not want to stay the night in a shelter where they have a whole bunch of rules. They would much rather sleep under a bridge. And I know that sounds crazy to a lot of people, but talk to the homeless people about what they want. Yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to make, I think we're going to have some really good services. It's going to make a pretty big mess. I also think that what people aren't talking about enough is what it's going to cost to fix. Dave Griggs pointed it out perfectly. And the, be, the, if, the best thing you can do right now is go out on Paris Road, go out on Route B and heading uh, south, take the exit onto Business Loop. And you're going to come off there, you know, and you're going to be up to 35, 40, 50 miles an hour in no time. Speed limit is 35. Yep, yep. And that is right smack across in front of where this homeless center is going to sit with no sidewalks, mm-hmm. no pedestrian crossings. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, tra- erratic traffic because everybody's dodging the potholes <laughs> on that part of business loop. It, I think it's got a lot of issues yeah. that are going to have to be resolved. But I think if the positive, if you're going to take the positive approach, it's like, well, let's, we got to, we're going to have to count on some people to resolve these issues. Yeah. 
Um, it sounds like the Citizens Police Review Board is getting better every day. Their problems are going away because their their old members are re- resigning. Uh, one's running for the United States Senate. Uh, another says that um, that state law or whatever yeah. doesn't doesn't permit her to really say what she thinks. Yeah. Um, no, they're not getting better. They're getting worse. Yeah. Uh, it the, the it has no power. It has no authority, and it's almost like useless. And you don't have to be. So I would not even resemble anything who anybody who's anti-police. I'm very much a, a positive on police in general and our even our local police. But I'm also think like I think many people do and should that we need some type of reasonable civilian oversight over our police department. And right now what they have shaped up is really just kind of a sham. And I think more people will resign. I think city council has to take this up. They talk about it was Senate Bill 26. Policeman's Bill of Rights. It basically gutted these panels everywhere, and uh, it, Columbia has enough racial stress uh, that we need our we need the trust of everybody in our police department, and that trust is only going to be improved with some type of citizen oversight that we don't currently have. And I think where the I think the city the city council is floundering so bad. This is the type of complex issue that they just can't get to. Hmm. But by not doing that, you're going to see you're going to see somebody else do it. You're going to see citizens groups pop up. You're going to see a lot of st- a stress over this. And I wish they could somehow get their arms around it. But I, I I think right now they're kind of pretending. And as the weeks and months go by, you're just going to see this continue to be a bigger and bigger issue. At least one member of the city council is now lobbying to uh, put a roller derby out in the new uh, athletic field house that's built uh, at Discovery Park. Uh, any insight on that, uh, no. where that's coming from? Sometimes, Fred, I really just turn away. <laughs> you know, you, you, it, it, it just goes on and on and yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> well, I liked your characterization of that. That's, that's great. Uh, you have no update on roll carts. There's nothing more you can tell me about roll carts at all. It's the same thing I told you last time. And, and uh, it's roll carts are on fast forward. Uh, there's nothing that's changed in months. As soon as they uh, uh, made that decision months ago, they've held a lot of hearings and a lot of discussion. But roll carts are on their way. Uh, and there's no plan otherwise. Okay, give me the latest on the transmission line because this is really where you see the incompetence of our city council and city leadership, government, uh, you know, people that are, uh, civilian servants, you know, uh, this is where you see the incompetence. Uh, what's going on with the transmission line down south? Um, you're hearing a lot about Ameren's, uh, large rate increases, uh, as we speak today, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was hearing it this morning, uh, right here, uh, on Eagle. Um, it's all kind of mixed together. There's a meeting next week of the uh, Water and Light Advisory Board to review electrical rates. Electric rates are going to go up a lot in Columbia. And not only is there going to be uh, a rate increase, there's going to be a new surcharge uh, for fuel that floats along with fuel. Tied into that, uh, and, and they're going to take that then to the council on March, I'm going to say March 6th, sometime early in March. At the same time, they're going to that they bring these these proposed rate increases. They're going to bring up again the transmission line. Now, Councilman Pitzer from the Fifth Ward brought it up at the end of the meeting the other night. Uh, he's got you know he's been obstructing this thing since since he's been on council. Mm-hmm. He's got, he's got a bunch to say about it. Him and Nick Foster have been working on something. 
All I can tell you is that city staff is going to go up to them again and say, this is what we recommend. It's the same thing we've been recommending since 2015. It makes sense in every way we can make it make sense. The problem is, is we have to put this down Nifong in the fifth ward and some people don't want it there. So uh, I have a feeling, though, that these two councilmen are going to, wherever it ends up, it's not going to be in Matt Pitzer's backyard or Nick Foster's backyard. Well, I would guess. so what they're doing, and I hate to say this. So Brian Treese, when he came out in 16, he said, we can work with Ameren and we can work with Ameren and put it on Ameren's lines. And, and, and here's a plan that we got fixed up. And, and you know, the engineers just kind of laughed. And, and and they're disappointed and they're set back. And the exact same thing is going on now. They're, they're because they up. knew that Ameren doesn't play that way. Well, and they know it won't work. Yeah. And right now, I've I've heard it explained a million times. They're saying the the grid, you know, Miso has got some infrastructure work going on, and and uh, the professionals are saying, well, we understand that it doesn't address this issue. And then Pitts are saying, well, Miso's got some infrastructure that's going to help us out here. So it just yeah. it's obfuscating and. Uh, I don't know how it's going to end up. I've been advocating for, let's just have a six to one vote and get this over with so we can move forward. But I don't know where it's going. More on that later. That's Mike Murphy, uh, the publisher of Como Buzz. We appreciate you being on, Mike. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next uh, weekend right here on the CEO Roundtable. You've been listening to 93.9 The Eagle. This city is my city and I love it. Yeah, I love it.